hello everyone and welcome to the 49th episode of the Kent Non-League podcast with Matt Gerrard and myself, John Phipps. It's been another busy week in the world of Kent Non-League and also in my own life, which is why we're recording part of the show, well the main part of the show, on Tuesday lunchtime. But you won't have heard any of it at all until Wednesday evening. Life, eh? Anyway, on the line now is a man who in a disturbing conversation told me he was potent in September. It's Matt Gerrard. How are you, Matt? Well, that's a long time I mentioned that. And more importantly, John, I, well, both my kids were born in June, so I'll get everybody to uh, work out the maths uh, from that point of view. Yeah, not too bad, John. And, John, happy birthday to you. Is it 35 today? Oh, I wish. I'm 37, Matt. 37. I've done you well. You're looking good on it, mate. There you go. 37. Three years before the big four eight. But, no, happy birthday. What did you get? And uh, socks? Yeah, but basically just a lot of clothes. Yeah, they, they, I think the first present I opened was some socks. Um, and we're going away for the night, so that should be quite good fun. Um, hopefully, get anywhere nice. nice. Uh, we're going down to Eastbourne, actually. Very nice, um, very nice. Yeah, and the socks, and I quite like a, a flash pair of socks. So, are they flash or just ones with Monday, Tuesday on, etc.? They're, well, they're, they're just sort of different coloured heels and toes, I think. But they're they're quite oh, nice. Yeah. They're 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 not bad, you know. I mean, I am thirty seven, so you know, I can't be expecting to get lots of exciting presents at my age. But I've done all right, and, you know, I'm very grateful for everything that I've got and all the well wishes that I've had on social media from my friends and, and family and everything. So, Did you get any links, Africa? No, I didn't. No, thankfully. I'm, I'm past <laughs> that stage. So um, That's what I would have got, yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I will just go around smelling better than that, and, and I'll think of you. Um, yeah. I, I do find it funny that you had to double-check how old I was. Do you think the, na- the numbers on the end of my Twitter handle are a coincidence, do you? Uh, uh, I did think you were 82, so that means, well, that's ridiculous. My maths, I said 35, should have been 36 then, didn't it? But, but no, you are. Pips 81, yeah, 30, yeah. So, uh, and of course, your birthday is on a, a bad day for the world, really, isn't it? 9 11 today. Uh, well, indeed, yeah. years well, ago. So, crazy. Some would say that 1981, it's 11 September 1981, wasn't a great day for the world. Um, but no, yeah, it was my 20th birthday. So it's always quite funny, really, because all the big anniversaries are kind of big days for me. So the 10th anniversary was my 30th, the 20th anniversary will be my 40th, and so on for, for the rest of my life. And mm. I certainly remember very clearly, actually, the, the day itself. I was, funny enough, it was my birthday, and um, I was at Blue Water. Um, and my, I spoke to my mum for some reason, and uh, this was obviously before the days of Twitter. You were getting, African, and, you were getting some links then, weren't you? I probably water. was getting some links. I thought, what is what is he on about with links? But um, I, I was. Um, this was obviously before the days of social media. So I'm like just out and about, and I must have rung my mum for something, and she said, "Oh, have you heard about what's happened in New York?" And I said, "No, I haven't." And she sort of briefly told me what had gone on, and I remember walking into Dixon's. And um, there was just a load of people crowded around the TV screens watching it. And uh, by then, by the time I saw it, both the towers had fallen. But um, I always used to say nothing exciting ever happens on my birthday. And, and that kind of proved me very wrong, didn't it? But uh, yeah, awful, awful day. And obviously, I've been reading a bit on social media. I think my, I think my birthday is one of the only ones in the world that actually trends every single day, every single year. September the 11th does trend because that is the date. And obviously, reading through some of the things, obviously, so many people passed away that day. Um, and I do always, I do always think about it as you would do on your birthday. But um, you know, obviously, people will be hearing this on Wednesday. So um, if you do want to send me a, a birthday greeting, we'll go for now belated happy birthday, as it will be Wednesday evening. Um, but I am going to add some bits and pieces in about the games that have happened on Tuesday night and maybe Wednesday night, depending on 
how late I get back. Um, Matt, apart, we've obviously talked about me and my birthday, but yeah, yeah. how are you and how's the running training going? Yeah, well, I've, I've been doing it every couple of days. Yeah, I've done a bit, so I'm um, ahead of the thing for that. I've got problems with, you know that toe injury I had last year? Yeah. I've got problems with my toes still, and it's, it's a real bendy angle as well. And I don't know, running on it has affected it as well. So, uh, But yeah, I've got to do some tonight, so I'm building it up So uh, from that point of view. But yeah, aches and pains and, and things like that. I had a bit of a crazy day in my life yesterday, which I won't go into. But um, apart from that, yeah, point on the weekend. I'm beating in two. Come on, you white. So... Apart from that, has anything else crazy happened? Uh, no, just living the dream, as they say. And um, yeah, that's about it. But, you know, and football, and it's been a busy time. And I've any new programmes. Yeah, I've mentioned Dress to Impress, didn't I, last week? Yes, you did, yeah. And, and I did, did another programme. Uh, oh, oh, Romish Ranganathan. Are you a big fan of Romish Ranganathan? Um, I can take him or leave him, but I've seen some bits that are quite funny. Do, are you watching his Judge one, are you? No, no, that's a new one. That's on Dave. No, I don't... I think I'd probably skip over Dave as the channel. You should I'm watch Taskmaster. In... Yes, yeah, so, yeah, no, you picked that up before. There's, he had a um, stand-up show on BBC Two, uh, like an you know hour-long you know stand-up, and that was very funny. And then on various platforms like Netflix, they've got his one where he's the Asian provocateur. I forget that. Can't even say that right. When he goes to Sri Lanka to meet his family, now we're on to America. But I quite like him, and I think. Um, if, if, like, if he did a tour I'd probably go and watch him but I quite like Ramesh Ranganathan he's got the same age as me and he's got the same outlook on life sort of thing and there's an excellent excellent uh, skit he did on Wagamamas John I know you're not a fan of Wagamamas but I am but one day we'll go together but that's a different story Excellent. Well, I hope that you do, and you and Ramesh can be very happy together if only you supported Dover as well eh Matt um, It comes from Crawley like Crawley Town and one of the clubs on test for years and years to come. So um, I'm hoping that, well, yeah, yeah, it's another long story, but there's not many teams I do like, really, but Crawley Town are in the top five of dislike clubs. But So one day when they come back to the conference, which they will do because they'll run it right out, and that's the right area, that's it from there. That's my state on Crawley Town. Excellent. Well, it's our 49th episode this week, as I said earlier. We're one away from our half century. Um, 49 is obviously as many games as Arsenal managed in their famous unbeaten run. And of course, if you think of 49, you've got to think of the San Francisco 49ers. I don't like American football, Matt, do you? No. I, I, somebody put me in LA Rams top years ago, so I know the team I supported, but I don't even know actually go anymore. No, no. It's. Anything. It's a bit like rugby. I've slated out. I, I can't understand it. Don't like it. Bigger boys. Beating me up, so I'm not really interested. 49 was also my highest score on a Sunday playing cricket. Caught out, I think I was caught a slip actually, which is impressive because I'm normally bold. 49, I was absolutely heartbroken that I didn't get my 50 in that one. So 49 is a sort of, will always be with me because I'm never going to play cricket again, so I'm never going to get a 50. So I'll always have 49 on the thing. And it's a square and and seven times seven, which is by two lucky numbers, equals 49. There you go. But yeah, there you go. You don't really need to know that, did you? No, we didn't. And I think we'll now move swiftly on and actually talk about the football, which is why people are listening to the podcast. Um, we'll go straight into the big news, which was confirmed on Tuesday morning. Uh, Maidstone United have a new manager, and it's former Billericay and Wellingtown man Harry Wheeler. Um, I think it came a little bit out of the blue. When, when the job was first announced, Matt, he wasn't necessarily number one candidate. But I think that's a really, really interesting appointment. What, what are your views? Yeah, I think, you, I think some of the fans have mentioned that he's been to a couple of games. Um, has he got experience at this level? No. 
has he got experience of running a football club which run crazily? Yes, with the Billericay mm. um, thing from that. Billericay is unfortunate to lose his job. A 30-year-old manager fits into the uh, ethos of Maystone United. Um, I think he's got a job on his hands. With some, it'd be interesting to see how he goes. So they could have gone down the more experienced route, the AD Pennant, the Chris Kinnears. With that. And again, I think he works with the academy, works well with kids. So that may be the thinking about it. Um, a bold appointment. He's got to stand on his own because he's been at Welling before under Mark Goldberg, um, St Albans, so, and, and Billerick, and you never know what was going on in Billerick, do you? So, big chance for him um, to the end of the season. Will he have enough to keep him up? Interesting to see. So, but people would have said he could be the new Danny Cowley, and maybe he may have looked at that point of view, but. Good luck to him, and he's brought his assistant with him. But um, he's going to start with a bang against the league leaders this weekend. But you know, I admire it; they're giving him a chance. But um, and it, what it did probably tell us is Steve Watt, who's been unlucky. Well, had three games, lost every single game, one nil. I think it was, and only three games. If he had maybe done a job, or picked up four points from those um, three games, maybe he could have been in pole position. So looking at thinking of Maidstone, so. I think Steve Watts would be a little bit disappointed, but good luck to Harry Wheeler. Yeah, I just got in front of me the statement that um, Bill Williams released when when the appointment was confirmed. He says, for me, this is not taking a chance, it's giving a chance, much like we did with Jay some seven years ago. Uh, Terry, Oliver and I spoke at length with Harry yesterday and we were all agreed afterwards that he ticked every box for us. We've got someone who can lead and take our team forward while also buying into the academy, community and development programmes we've got underway and are looking to expand in the future. And I remember, Matt, we covered um, Welling against uh, Lincoln City. Uh, you talk about the Cowlers. Welling against Lincoln City in the FA Trophy a couple of years ago. Um, it wasn't Welling's day that day. Uh, it wasn't your day. You got a speeding ticket on the way home as well. Um, but I was impressed by Harry Wheeler that day. He came across really well when you were chatting to him in, in interviews. And obviously he's been to the basket case that is Billericay. And quite a tough job that really that, that he had at Billericay last season because... They were there to be knocked at. Everyone wanted to beat them. He obviously had a meddling owner chairman alongside him as well, but he still managed to guide that team to the treble. And I think that this is a really good appointment for Maidstone United, mm-hmm. actually. I think it's, you know, they've not gone over the board, overboard. He's probably not on thousands of thousands of pounds. They've not pushed out the budget on him. I think that that's a really interesting move to bring in a young, hungry manager who they will hope can take their... Well, it's still a fairly young, hungry squad and, and make it go in the right direction. I mean, obviously he's 30, so there's going to be a couple of players that are older than him. But I think he'll be able to walk in there. I understand he took training straight away on Tuesday. But I think he'll walk straight in there and command a bit of respect because he's coming in saying, look at these trophies I've won. It doesn't matter this at a slightly lower level because that's all Jay Saunders had to show for himself at this level as well. And I think Harry Wheeler has done he's done well at Billericay and I think it's a really bold appointment for Maidstone and one that I think is going to work out for them. Yeah, I think they've got a young squad as well. So I think he, he's highly qualified, or a licensed, or one of the youngest in the country to have that aim. So hungry to succeed. And I think he probably, you know, he was working with Goldberg, as I mentioned before, working for um, Tamplin. Maybe, you know, this is his, maybe is his first real job at a decent level for what a game. You know, he did a good job at Billericay, but now he's going to stand on his two, his two feet, see how he gets on. A bold appointment. I think the Maystone fans have got to give him a little bit of time, how he fits in. Interesting what he does with the players, who he brings in, who he ships out. But yeah, good luck to him. They could have gone down the 
the old route of an old proven manager. But I think he'll do good for the community. He's a good communicator. And, and that's what mates don't want. They're a community-based club. Maybe they've got a community-based manager who can do all parts of the job. And important on Saturday, he's got to get the three points. And if, if you offered mates that United now, fourth place from bottom, somehow on goal difference, stay up, they would achieve his aim. And that probably is his own main aim this season, is to make sure they're in the National League next season, which could be tough. But, they've got, you know, maybe they've got a man, the man in charge who can do it. He's got a long, well, he's got 36 games on now, so uh, he'll have a good fight at it. The interesting thing you said there is about play, bringing in players. And I'm guessing at, at Billericay, he didn't really have any struggles with that because most of the players, and I don't mean this with any disrespect to any player who plays for Billericay, if they're listening, but most of them have gone there for the money. And when you're waving around money like that, it's quite easy to tempt players to get there. And I'd imagine a lot of the recruitment wasn't necessarily down to Harry Wheeler in the first place. So what is going to be interesting there is who will he be able to bring in with with, with what he knows his contacts and and I suppose that is going to be his biggest challenge is tapping into finding people and obviously because he hasn't got links to a professional club you know he's not going to be able to go and tap into the loan market really easily you know it's not like he's got someone who had a link to a a, a Gillingham or a, a club up in London or or someone like that who can he can just go and say look. I know you really well. Can you loan me a couple of players? He hasn't got that. So that's going to be the difficult thing for him. But I think going in there as a coach, trying to turn around a team who, as you say, have lost their last three games, haven't scored since Steve, uh, since, uh, Steve Watt took over from Jay Saunders. I think that he will give them a, an instant lift when he goes in. But it's just going to be how we can sustain that for the longer term. But as I say, I think it's a positive appointment. Yeah, again, the mainstream fans are going to take him on board. This is the new manager. Uh, and I think maybe this is something they can relate to as well. So, yeah, good luck to him. It's going to be tough. Maybe they'll get the new manager bounce this weekend and it'll be delightful if they can. Yeah, Harrogate at home for them on Saturday in uh, what will be Harry Rea's first game in charge of the Stones. Elsewhere in the National League, you've already mentioned it, Matt. A point for your boys up at Chesterfield. Um, didn't hear much about the game myself as I was out and about. Um, probably not a thriller. Well, um, no, uh, we didn't apparently look to create many chances, but uh, defensively we looked pretty solid. Um, Chesterfield hit the crossbar in the... There was two shots last remaining in the game. Their first shot hit the crossbar, their second one hit the post. So, um, and I was at a game when I saw Tashbatch got sent off with professional handball in the 90th minute. Of course, my heart sank and saying, oh, he's giving away a penalty. But no, no, it's a point, again, people I've got, is that we look good defensively, but... Pretty power to puff up front. So, um, uh, yeah, it's a result. And it comes in, you know, I know it's early doors, 11th game of the season, and it comes to a big game against Solihull because David could be outside of the relegation zone. And they've got it. And they've got momentum now. Two, you know, decent performances the last two games. If, you, if you'd have offered me, you know, at the start of the season, you go to Chesterfield and get a point and maybe a draw against Epsley, you're taking your hand off. So maybe we're moving in the right direction and Solihull to come. Got to win your home games, even though Solihull are a decent side at this level now. Yeah, interesting as well. You talk about Tadjbash there. We haven't really mentioned him so far since he uh, since he arrived. But I, I did touch on this on social media that he had a big part in a, in a playoff farce about three years ago um, in the in the Isthmian League, what is now the Bostic, um, because he was ineligible and he played for a couple of games for Enfield. And Enfield had six points deducted the day before the season finished. And then they appealed it, and they if they hadn't had the points deducted, they were in the playoffs. 
if they did have if they did have the points deducted, they finished outside the playoffs, and the whole playoffs got delayed for a fortnight because of this. And I was covering Margate at the time, and literally. We knew nothing. And honestly, every time I see his name, I have a bit of a shudder. And I just think that is not the best um, memory for me because it just dragged on and on and on. And it was just the fact that we knew absolutely nothing about it. And I hope, Matt, that all this registration is completely sorted out this time. I'm, I, I trust over to get this right. Yeah, I think it will be. I've been quite impressed with him. He's a, he, a good, strong man in midfield. Not the greatest passer in the world, but he... Um... He does a job um, bringing the ball and moving it on. So, yeah, good luck to him. That was a bit of a fast. About three weeks left into the um, season, we finally got the playoff games, didn't it? So, uh, yeah, but, yeah, interesting time. He's doing all right, Tash Batch. I'm quite happy with him. Yeah, and also, Matt, I feel I should probably actually finally use this interview that you very kindly did for me um, at the start of August. Right at the, right at the start of the season, uh, Matt went down, armed with his mobile phone, and spoke to Tim Schmoll. The, uh, the Dover defender who is possibly the only person ever to have trodden the path between Harvard and Crabble. So here he is, here's Tim Schmoll. How have you, you know, you were all the shot last year, you, you played in America. Also, your story, I think there's not many people who've played for Dover have gone to Harvard University. So tell me a bit about your background. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Switzerland and uh, my parents are American, so I kind of discovered the university track over there where you don't really have to stop playing football and you don't have to stop going to school so you still have the plan b so but you still to get in harvard you still need some sort of a, it's, it's a yeah uh, prime university so you do yourself a bit of a disabled there it's a top university in the world isn't it of course yeah and and and, and football helped me get in you know be, being fully candid but but yeah you need, need a bit of both and and it was cool over there you had to balance both but like i said you know it, it was it was a it was a way to continue both both my passions i guess and you, you've got an economics degree, is that right? Yep. At the moment, you, the aim is you use that in the future, but it's to become a full-time footballer, is it? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not even thinking about anything academic. I'm not even thinking about anything career-wise besides football right now. I mean, that's the beauty of it. I think I'm, I'm very lucky to have that plan B in the back pocket, and uh, that's for later on. How come you, you, the English system, the leagues do go quite a long way down? You're in the fifth tier here. Why did you st come to England rather than stay in America or try other leagues? Well, for exactly that reason, actually. I mean, the ceiling's high here. Uh, there's a lot of mobility between the leagues, so I'm happy to be here. And, and, and yeah, there's, there's a lot to, to aspire to, so that's kind of why. You play for Red Bull under-23s. What's the standard of that compared to the National League over here? Yeah, roughly the same. You know, there, there, there are some really good, really good footballers, um, some very good teams, experience in the league as well. Um, it's a mix of young guys and older guys with experience. Um, there are a lot of similarities, I'd say. You know, so, some games are a little bit of a, little bit of a battle. Other games, there's good football. Um, from what I've seen last year at Aldershot, it's 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 a similar level, different characteristics in the game, but but football's football, you know. What are your strengths? You know, I'm, I think I'm quite tall, but you're quite tall as well. What is your strength as a player? Would you say? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously try to win everything in the air that I can um, but I like to think that, that I can play too so I can be an asset building out of the back and uh, dumping balls into the striker that, that, that people can play off um, so yeah I try, try to try to be as rounded as I can and, and play with my feet as much as I can as well you enjoying it at Dover you know fresh, fresh new players in but the club has been progressing in the last few years yeah absolutely I mean the story here is good always consistent good results and it's a great place to be and so far so good yeah I've been settling in really well uh, Gaffer's been great, staff's been great, uh, the boys have been awesome, so I'm really happy to be here. Things really fell into place for me, so now it's just about building and, and, and doing well this season. Um, yeah, interesting, Matt. You don't get many people who've, uh, who've, who've done what he's done in his career, but he's very focused on making a go of, of football, and, and I guess in some aspects there, there's a few parallels with Galafuco, who obviously was a very 
intelligent, well-spoken, bright lad, and he was using Dover as a bit of a springboard, and it's worked for him. Yeah, uh, Galafuco is now playing in, in Serie C. Um, I think he started pretty well. They're living on the outskirts of Rome, so that's brilliant. Tim Schmoll, um, Swiss parents, uh, Swiss, Swiss mother, and I think American father, Harvard University. Clearly an intelligent man, a very tall man as well, because you know, I'm not too sure, but I had to bank my neck up to him. But yeah, he struggled a little bit as he gets going, but again, I don't think he's making contract in his football, and I don't really feel he, if you've got a, an economics degree from Harvard, you know, you're going to have to worry about too much of a job when your football career's finished. So yeah, good luck to him, and quite an intelligent player. And yeah, if there is anybody you know who's played, who's been to Harvard University and played non-league football, we'd love to hear from it, because clearly... There can't be many out there, if any, apart from one. No, indeed. Uh, elsewhere in the National League, uh, Bromley lost 3 2 at Aldershot, and Ebb Street United were beaten at home by Gateshead. Their fourth defeat in five home games. And, and Darren McMahon, I understand, is pulling his hair out about this. And, and home form is so important for any non league team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gateshead, you know, one of the, you know, the start of the season, we tipped them all to go down. They've done really well. Yeah, obviously not scoring too many goals there, mate. Chipping and swapping and changing his side. We mentioned last week, you know, Dave was there for the taking and he didn't really take that from that. So I don't know if he'd be under sort of pressure, but it's going to be difficult with one going up. up I don't think we had points there off the top now, eight. They probably can get back into it because they had that sort of sticky run in the early part of last season when they had draw matches. So I still think they can get in the playoffs. Um, just a little bit of quality and consistency. And I've got to go to Wrexham this weekend as well, which is a tough one. But it wouldn't surprise me if Epsilon got one there and win. They just need to up the ante a bit maybe it's a little bit of pressure on them because everybody expects them to do well with the, with the budget they've got and how they ended last season who the ones got Saturday mate Solly Moors oh, of course uh, home uh, home and City. yeah um, we know three games unbeaten will be good because we don't know bizarrely we've, we've drawn in the first half of the whole year we drew two league games since January the 1st and now we've drawn two since then so yeah three points will be good I know they're trying to bring out more players in particularly in the attacking areas because we're not looking particularly potent. But if we're looking solid at the back, um, you know, all we need is one chance to score a goal and hopefully that can come that way. But that'll be tough against former England goalkeeper Tim Flowers. Well, indeed. Um, Bromley at home to Salford on Saturday as well in the other game in that division. It was all square for our National League South sides on Saturday as Welling drew 0-0 at Chelmsford and Dartford played out a 2-2 draw with Eastbourne. Um, Darts are away to Billericay on Saturday while Welling are at home to East Thurrock. Um, both those sides learned their FA Cup fates on Monday as well and they weren't alone as a number of Kent sides also made it through to the second qualifying round. One of them was Margate. And it really was all go for Gate over the weekend, as well as beating Horndean 3-2 in the FA Cup. They were supported by their celebrity sponsors, the Libertines, on the day. And they finally brought in former Premier League striker Leroy Lita. And all of that meant it was only fair to give joint boss Mike Sandman a call. And of course, we started by discussing Saturday's win. Looked like it was a, a, bit, a bit of a tougher game than you may have thought, but you did well to get through. Um, yeah, we, um, we actually started the game OK. Um, Created a couple of chances, hit the bar twice, and then we conceded the goal on the run of play, um, and that changed the, the perception of the game completely. Um, you know, they had five at the back that didn't move and, and were difficult to break down, and literally, you know, just defended and tried to hit us on the counter attack, um, and made the first half quite difficult. The goal just before half time made a massive difference, um, and then the second half it was a very one one. Sort of game in terms of you know for 40, 
I'd say, 43 minutes, we were very dominant. Um, and they very rarely got out their half. Um, and at that point, you finish, you're looking at finishing the game 3-1, thinking, OK, we didn't start particularly well. Um, but actually, a, a good response second half. Um, and we won the game quite comfortably in the end. But, you know, we, towards the end, become a little bit sloppy, you know, in the 90th minute, give the ball away cheaply. Uh, Henry's forced into a couple of saves in the same bit of play. Um, and then we concede a goal with about two minutes to, to play. So the, the scoreline suggests, obviously, it was a lot closer. But, you know, the, the second half, we, we were quite dominant, to be fair. And after that, with the, with the disappointing start finish, and you say being a little bit sloppy, d- d- does that mean that you, you know, after the game, you say to the players, well, you know, you've done all right there, but we're not very happy about that and keep pushing them because you want them to improve, don't you? Of course. Um, we always want them to improve. We, To be honest, we it was probably the poorest we've played in a while um, in terms of how we've defended and our tempo and, you know, us out of possession. But in the last couple of games, we had nothing to show for it. You know, we was one point in the last two games, in two games that we thought we were very dominant and performed very well. So it made a change to, to not be at our best, but actually the most important thing was the result. So, yeah, we speak about to the players that doing things the hard way and seeing out the game and doing things right. Um, but we haven't been given, you know, the points that we deserve and from our performances. So it did make a, a slight change to, to get a result out of the game whilst not performing to your best. And obviously your celebrity fans and sponsors were there, the Libertines. It, it, that's given a bit of a lift to the club, hasn't it? Yeah, to everybody at the club, it's, it's fantastic for the club, fantastic for the local community and the supporters. That, that Margate's getting exposure that it deserves. We've got some fantastic people working at the club behind the scenes that do a great job and it's credit to them that they've been able to get this um, this massive sponsor in, into the club. So it's only it's only good for everybody here. And of course, someone else who was in the stands on uh, on Saturday is your new sign-in, Leroy Lita. Um, I was surprised to read that he's only 33 and I guess he's still got plenty of hunger <laughs> in him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the first question everybody asks. And they go, wow, I was expecting to be a lot older. He trains Monday, Thursday last week. Uh, looked very sharp. Um, looked like he was pleased to be in. He's going to be a massive addition to the group in terms of his experience and the level that he's played at, which is give everybody a lift as well. Um, when, when you bring better players in to the group and more experienced players, that it gives everybody a lift and everybody wants to improve. Um, and competition for places obviously makes it a better dressing room and a better place to be. And I guess obviously he's happy to, you know, be back. He's from the area anyway, but happy to be back playing good football or hopefully a good standard here in England. Yeah, he contacted the club, um, wanted to be a part. Obviously, he started off at Margate, so he wants to come back down. He, he came back from Thailand last year, come in already, had a couple of training sessions, like I say, and, and enjoys it and, and wants to be a part of it. So um, it's pleasing for both sides, and I think he's just looking forward to, to getting back playing. And uh, Saturday, you know, he's available. His international clearance has come through, so it'll be good to see him in a competitive game. And generally, out, out of 10, what would you give the season so far? I guess you've had some highs and some lows, but you, you're still sort of mid-table, aren't you? Yeah, we. Uh, it's been an OK start um, in terms of we, we don't feel that we've picked up the points that, that we deserve, but we're a very young group in terms of, you know, the, the players that we brought in, you know, brought some youngsters in that are learning, improving. As young Jack Paxman, 20 years old, player of the month. He's never played at this level before. And we're giving these players the opportunity. 
we brought a couple of other young lads in uh, for Saturday's game, George and, and Oko, and they were really pleasing to wide lads. So we're starting to go in the right direction. Obviously, we've got Fisher. There's a long-term injury. Um, hopefully, in the next few weeks, we can see him back involved and back training, which will be a massive boost. So uh, it's, it's been an okay start, but certainly there's more to come from us. And you know, We're six games in in the league, so nobody's worried, nobody's panicking. There's not a massive expectation on us, but we believe with the group we've got, we can really start pushing towards the playoffs and, and getting ourselves in there towards the back end of the season when it's most important. And how's it working with, with you and Steve? You, you still get on all right and, and finding it being okay being joint managers? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, me and Bernie have a good relationship. Um, you know, we get on very well behind the scenes as well, which always helps. And we bring the best best out of each other. You know, Steve is a, a very experienced um, uh, coach. You know, he's managed FC uh, and done a fantastic job there. And you know, to work with someone like like Brownie is, is fantastic for me. He's you know, coaching his attention to detail is second to none. So, you know, we bounce off each other very well uh, and it's a good relationship. And obviously, just finally, you got the FA Cup draw yesterday. Um, it could have been better, I suppose. And obviously, Sammy Moore was the manager who knocked Margate out of the Cup last year at Leatherhead and, and you'll be facing him again. Yeah, they, you know, Concord have done a, they've had a fantastic start to the year. They brought in some great players. They've been able to do that with the resources that have been made available and, and he's recruited well. Um, they started the season particularly well in, in the league above. So we would like a home draw. Uh, we look at that draw as, you know, sometimes, you know, FA Cup brings up loads of surprises and, and we'll be hoping to do one there. But it'll be quite nice going into the game with, with little pressure on us because the expectation will be on them um, as the expectation was on us you know, previous Saturday. So we have that in our favour, but we feel that we've got a good enough group and, you know, we've got good enough players in the group that actually could be playing at the next level up. So we're looking forward to testing our group and I'm sure it'll be a very competitive game. Work in progress, Margate, should we say so far, Matt, but he seems pretty positive there, Mike. Yeah, it's difficult with the joint managers. We're expecting them to do a little bit better. Um, that league's pretty wide open. Um, they've got the players in. Still got the, the core of last season, the experience, the Collins, the Rogers, the people like that. But a younger side comes in. And Leroy Vita, as you mentioned there, we knew his name, but we couldn't mention it in the pod last week. He can hit the ground running. You know, he's a decent career. He's had a high-level scoring goals in the championship. If, if, maybe he could be the, the final piece of the Margate jigsaw. But as you said before, Margate fans can be a little bit um, excitable when things don't go their own way, as any football fan can be. So we'll be pleased with that. And he's a... No, his background is around here, so the fans will be behind him. So, yeah, off the pitch of he's working right for Margate, I think um, the Libertines and the media they're getting from that, maybe need a little bit of work on the pitch, and maybe that can happen this weekend uh, and get some results and push them up the table, because really they should be looking at the playoffs. Do you happen to know the last club that Leroy Lisa was playing for before he joined Gate, perchance? Somewhere in Thailand, wasn't it? Sisaket. All right. Apparently. Right. Do you know much about them? Uh, I don't. He wore the number eleven, sh- number eleven shirt. Um, they're based in Sisaket Province, and they won the nineteen ninety nine two thousand Thailand Provincial League. So there you go. Have you ever been to Thailand? No, I haven't. Have you? No. Would you like to go? No, no not I'm, really. Not my, not my bag. I've been to Hong Kong and I've been to China, right. but no, the, right. the Thailand thing doesn't really interest me. No, 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 no. It doesn't really interest me. Either, but I'm sure. Um, I think a lot of premier, a lot of players go out there and they play. I think, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. I think there's there's quite a bit um, 
going on over there. And, and Leroy Lee, I mean, obviously he was there for a, a, a brief spell last year. So I suppose the worry is he hasn't played a lot of football lately. But, you know, he he, he was at Margate as, as a youngster and he's, he's from the area. And he's had a great career, really. Bristol City um, scored a lot of goals. Reading, Middlesbrough, Swansea. Um, he's a goal scorer. But yeah, you know, one of these players, he was always good on championship manager as well. So, um, yeah, I think he's... Uh, uh, yeah, decent. A decent. If he's got his head screwed on, he should be scoring plenty of plenty of goals in this division. I think his movement and his his, his general yeah. ability will cause problems for defenses at this level. And uh, it's one of those things where even if he's not one hundred percent fit, I think he will still be a threat. And and Margate, you know, they've got Joe Taylor, they've got Franny Collin. That just adds another little <laughs> dimension to that front line. And, and you know, it it has been a bit of a slow start for Margate. Not doom and gloom by any stretch of imagination, but it's a new young team. And there's no reason why they can't really push on. And as Mike said there, look towards the playoffs. Yeah, that should be their aim, I think. With the, with, yeah, well backed club. Back in the last season, they should have got in the playoffs. It didn't work out with Steve Watt. We're talking about Steve Watt again in a minute, actually. Come back to his job. Yeah, they should be. Steve Brown, Mark Sandman, if it works, the joint managers. Tough draw in the next round of the cup. Yeah, Margaret needs some good news, don't they? Because, you know, it seems to go up and down in troughs of what they're going to be doing. But yeah. Playoffs should definitely be their chance. There's no reason why they can't do that. No, absolutely. I, I think that you know that that is a fair thing. And, and what I found interesting there about Mike Samuel was he said there's no expectation on him. Well, we we've discussed before. I think that the fans at Margate do have quite high expectations. And um, but I think inwardly in the club they are just focused on trying to be a bit more stable because it has been a roller coaster ride for them the last few years. And it will be do them good to just stay where they are. You know, this is their second season back at this level. If they can push for the playoffs, then that's all well and good. But they've got to make sure that both on and off the pitch, they're ready when they go up. Because last time, they weren't. They just thought that they could throw money at it and it would work. This time, they need to just be a little bit more circumspect about it. You know, I think maybe with the under-23 sides, they're getting the right amount of players in, aren't they, to make sure they've got that sort of play-up approach. And and again, sometimes we see it doesn't really work when... um, Throwing money at, and I look forward to seeing where Margate go. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking and seeing where Lita gets on. I'm sure he can score goals if he's his head's in the right place. You said about Steve Watt there, Matt. What? Obviously, he and he's left Maidstone now just a few months after leaving Margate. What? What do you think's next for him now? Uh, it's a difficult one. I think he did a okay job at Margate. Um, Maidstone, of course, he expected to be there a little bit longer. I think he'd probably be a little bit disappointed looking at the point, as I said earlier. He Maybe if he'd have done well, he could have got the job. Maybe he's going to have to go back into maybe look for the job. He, was, he went somewhere else on Hastings. He was a Dunley, I think, for yeah. a while. Um, from that, so maybe, I don't know if he wants to carry on playing if he hasn't played for 18 months uh, or sort of times about playing. So maybe he's going to have to get a job maybe in the in the Ryman Premier or from that. Like, or maybe, has he been burned by this? Or maybe he's got the hunger for a bit more. But... Um, Think he's going to go down the levels to go back up again. So, will he regret leaving Margate? Interesting to see if, if you ask the question to him. But I, I know he'd have been proud to, to manage Maidstone for those three games. Yeah, I'm sure he will have been. Um, elsewhere in the FA Cup, there were some cracking results. You've got to give a special mention to Irith Town. We spoke to their manager last week. Five one winners at Spellthorn Sports to reach a second qualifying round uh, equals their best ever FA Cup run. Uh, a few other teams also did really well on Saturday and needed replays. And we now cross over to. Well, me, tomorrow, for news of how they went. 
Yeah, thanks, John. Um, I'm glad to report I had a nice birthday evening in Eastbourne. And it was also a good night for Ramsgate and Phoenix Sports on Tuesday, who both won their replays. The Rams beat Sevenoaks 3-1 and will now face Gosport Borough, while Phoenix will travel to Hendon after their 3-0 win at Lansing. On Wednesday night, though, it was the end of the road for Corinthian as they lost 5-0 at Horsham in their replay, but their scaffold rivals Cray Valley PM knocked out Bostock Premier side Merston on penalties after a 3-3 draw. They will now face Oxford City. I am currently in the middle of editing the rest of this podcast together. Um, it's quite funny. There's a few funny noises during it. I can just tell you that's because I had wicket alerts on at the cricket and my phone was beeping telling me that Kent and England were both on their way to victory while I was speaking to Matt. Um, so that is interesting. But yes, there's the update of, of the games. Also, it was a game in the scaffold on Wednesday night, which Tunbridge Wells were the victors. Their first points of the season. We're going to discuss that shortly as well. Um, but yeah, great win for them. And uh, yeah, there's, there's your update. So uh, back to yesterday, very strangely. Thanks, John. Um, as well as Margate, Irith, and hopefully some of those teams from the replays, the only other team to actually make it through on Saturday were Tunbridge Angels, who were 2-0 victors in that Kent derby at Hythe. Um, the rest of the results, though, some of them didn't make pretty reading, I'm afraid. Faversham 1, Ferthing, Worthing 3, Met Police 3, Cray Wanderers 2, Moneyfields 1, Thamesmead 0, Whitsville Town 0, Bognor Regis Town 5, Leatherhead 2, Herne Bay 0, Burgess Hill 1, Folkestone and Victor 0, and Sittingbourne 0, Gosport 1. And to be honest with you, Matt, the draw for the next round wasn't marvellous either. Um, some really tough ties in there. We've already heard that Margate are at Concord, whose manager Sammy Moore knocked Gate out of the cup last year in the fourth qualifying round. Welling hosts Chesham. Irith will go to Haringey Borough. Tunbridge Angels travel to Dulwich Hamlet and Dartford will be on the road as well. They go to AFC Uckfield Town of the Southern Combination, who've already won three ties, all at home, including Glebe and their Southern Counties East League rivals, AFC Croydon Athletic. But Dartford should hope that they've got too much for Uckfield, yes? Where is Uckfield? Is that Hertfordshire? Sussex. Sussex, oh, it's not too far to go. Well, it is for Dartford coming across there. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a difficult tie. As you say, Huckfield are a decent side, particularly at home, as you mentioned in the thing from there. They've just got to go in it with... Um, uh, I'm not, not thinking this is going to be an easy tie because it'll be a real banana skin. Dufford's record on the FA Cup has been good the last couple of years and I think it will do the two managers good if they can get to at least the fourth qualifying round. Looking at that draw, John, it's not, it hasn't been the most friendliest, I have to say. Eric at Haringey. I think Haringey did well in the Cup last season. Welling against Chesham. You think Welling will be OK, but... Tunbridge Angels, they deserved a little bit better. They're desperate to get to the first round of the FA Cup. And you probably couldn't get a harder tie than Dulwich Hamlet away. It'd be a great atmosphere there, good crowd. But whether they're playing these days, where they playing these days? Um, Tootie Mitchum. Yeah, so that's Mitchum. So, yeah, well, I think um, Tunbridge beat them in the league uh, last season at Dulwich. So they got form there, but it's a tough game, place to go. But Tunbridge in form when they don't concede goals. But for me, that's the tie of the round. Yeah, well, good luck to all of those teams. We'll obviously discuss those games a little bit more in depth next week because the games are on uh, the following week, aren't they? Um, sticking with the FA competitions, it's next one, the FA Vars this weekend with a load of scaffold teams involved. So I'm just going to run through the fixtures and we can. I know we can play our favourite game of where the hell's that with at least one of them. So it's AC London versus Irith Town, AFC Vardinians versus Canterbury City, Chatham are at home to Camberley. There's a couple of Kent derbies between Corinthian and Glebe and K-Sports and Deal. Russell go to Guildford City. SC Thamesmead are at home to Banstead. Sheppey welcomes Seaford Town. Lordswood go to St Francis Rangers. Punjab United are away to Staining Town. And Tunbridge Wells host Scaffold Division 1 side Bride and Ropes. Any questions, Matt? 
St. Joseph Rangers. What a great... Where are they based? St. Francis Rangers are based, based in Lansing in Sussex. I've done my research here. Now, if I yeah. remember rightly, a few years ago, um, they had a season where they literally, by um, about April, had a, one or two points. They had a real um, a real struggle that year. And, uh, yeah, they've... They, they've obviously bounced back. I think they're the they're the they're, they're the equivalent of Scaffold Division One, uh, right. but they'll be looking forward to uh, to that game on Saturday against. How many rounds are there before you get to the final in this competition? Oh, well, it I seems hundreds. I, 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 I don't you love it. how many AFC teams are there these days? <laughs> um, AFC Vardinians. That sounds like some public school boy or something. Public school. Place, isn't it? Well, Ardinians. That's that's in Brighton, uh, oddly, which I wasn't expecting, but apparently that's where it is. I'm just looking now to see the uh Staining the... Town community, wherever Staining is. Yeah, that's also down in the uh in in Sussex as well. So it's nice to see our teams aren't just playing each other, but also those two Kent derbies as well, Corinthian against Glebe and K Sports against Steel, they could both be good games. Yeah, Deal, of course, with their double decker bus they've got as a stand at the moment, I read somewhere that's uh Won it in 2000 and go from there. K-Sports on the way up. Deal would love another run in the, in the, the, the Vars. They're not going to win it, but um, it's a competition they've got there. Yeah, again, second qualifying round, so we've got a long way to go yet. But um, I presume all the teams that are now in this competition are in it. There's nobody else coming any later, I presume. Don't be silly. No, there's still teams coming in the first round and the second round. There are After really? the two qualifying rounds, there are six proper rounds and then the semi-finals and the final. Um, oh, there right. are That's good still... knowledge, John. I'll give you maximum respect for that. Thank you very much. Um, it may be that I have Wikipedia in front of me. I, I don't know. Um, but that is... So, so there's some... So how many qualifying rounds do they have? Two qualifying rounds. So after this round, it's the first round proper. Uh, right. 23 new teams join in the first round proper and 23 more join in the second round proper. Um, How do you get to join in the second round proper if you knew off the top of your head? Oh, I've got website. no idea. It's something to do with previous performances because Tunbridge Wells, because they've done well, uh, managed to get a, a later entry for a couple of years, but that's obviously run out now. Um, just looking right. down, it starts with 638 clubs, the, the competition. They get it down to two by the 19th of May. So, fair Good going. Work. And after, I mean, obviously we've had... We had the first round on the 1st of September, but the second round this weekend. And then it sort of quietens down and goes to one a month until the the quarterfinals and, and fifth round proper are both in February. But apart from that, it does sort of quieten down quite nicely. So, you know, it's it's a long way to go. If any of our teams who are playing this weekend are going to get to Wembley, they've got to win a lot of games of football. And the problem that they do have in, in some aspects is... You know the money's not there you, for winning this weekend. You, you get seven hundred and twenty-five quid. It's not really going to help help these clubs progress. And in some cases, you know, you're going to be travelling a long way from home. I, I, th I think Canterbury going down to Brighton. You know, that if they lose that game, they'll only get two hundred and fifty quid. A bit frustrating, yeah. that isn't it? Well, they wouldn't cover the, the cost from that. They pump the money into the FA Cup, but maybe they will need to pump it into the trophy and the the vase to make it a bit more um, exciting for these teams. But of course. The bonus, I presume, once the um, Vars does go monthly, is that the scaffold can finally get going again because some of these sides aren't playing league games for a while, are they? No, exactly. There is one game in the league on Saturday, though, um, which is Beckenham against Crowborough. And there were actually some games at the weekend with Beerstead beating Hollands and Blair 1-0, a 1-1 draw between Deal Town and Glebe, Fisher overcoming Sheppard United 2-1, Chatham hitting five as they won at K-Sports, and a 2-2 draw between Rustall and Punjab. Um, but yeah, as you say, Matt, it's it's. Just, I remember having these exact conversations with you last year. It's a long time before this league settles down, isn't it? 
Yeah, Sheffield United, Sheffield, we picked them up, didn't we? Start of the season. It's not really working out for them at the moment, is it? Another defeat. So, uh, from that look at the league table, Chatham, seven games, but Beckenham have won all their games and they've only played five. So, you say Beckenham in action this weekend. All Beckham, have they gone out of the Vars or are they one of the sides that comes in the next round? I think they're in the next round, I think, if I remember rightly. So, yeah. So, yeah, again, you've got sides who've played five games, four games, and seven games. Like Canterbury have only played four league games. So, uh, involved in that yeah hopefully it was without but Tunbridge Wells John five games five defeats they really need to, well got the Vars this weekend but not a great season for them so far no they'll be happy that they did actually get a win in the Vars though because I think that kind of um, you know did did give them a little bit of a boost and a boost that they kind of needed because it has been a a tricky start for them really and um, you know they will they will hope that they can soon turn the corner but you know that, that they've got a game against a team in a lower division on Saturday so they would like you would like to think that they can um, progress from there and then you just have to sort of go with it don't you yeah yeah any little bit of confidence maybe they'd rather play cup games than league games at the moment so from that point of view yes still a tight old division but maybe it's going to be the Chathams and the Beckhams are going to be the sides to watch out for maybe we're saying, you know, the league hasn't get going, but they look the better two sides at the moment, particularly Beckenham. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a long season, but we need, we need 10, 15 games in this division before we can really see it settle down. But again, Chatham doing well at the moment. Yeah, they are. Obviously, there were no games in the Bostic League last weekend, so we'll just run through this week's fixtures. Uh, Premier League leaders Tunbridge travel to Brightlingsea Regent. Folkestone have a chance for instant revenge for their FA Cup defeat when they host Burgess Hill. While Margate are off down to Worthing, and, and Matt, I hear Sussex and the coast is very good for weekends, and I would implore as many people as possible to consider spending their holidays in that area next year. Hashtag ad. Um, in the South East Division, Ashford host Cray, VCD Athletic are off to East Grinstead, Herne Bay travel to Horsham, Hythe host Hastings, Phoenix meet Whitstable, Ramsgate face Thamesmead, Seven Oaks are at home to Haywards Heath, Sittingbourne meet Whiteleaf, and Faversham go to Three Bridges. Um, Faversham, I would imagine, will be confident of winning that one and, and Seven Oaks will be desperate to get their first points, won't they? Yeah, Seven Oaks, you can put in how they got in the FA Cup because they're playing the replay tonight. Big game for them coming up. So, yeah, again, I think Seven Oaks, Seven Oaks I think they expected to have a, to be in a lot better than they would do in the middle of September where we are now. But, yeah, they'll be fine these times. But, yeah, some big games for, again, just getting that routine of getting less low in this level. But I'm sure these sides will be all right, but... Good luck to Seven Oaks in their quest. And Ramsgate, Seven Oaks replay, which you'll tell me the score, which you've done earlier. I'll keep waffling about that. That sounds a, a real real good cup tie. So uh, whoever gets through, we'll get a real confidence going through on that one. Yeah, and obviously Ashford against Cray is a big game towards the top of that table as well this this weekend because Cray have won all their games so far. They beat 10-0 last year. Uh, it was, Cray. yeah, it was. They thrashed them. At, well, at Cray, they... they they beat them very heavily, but um, this one is at Homeland, so that'll be tough. And obviously, VCD have also still got a 100% record, as well as, as things stand. And, and we've already mentioned Seven Oaks have only, uh, are yet to score a point. Herm Bay are also winless, which uh, they will be desperate to end that in their game as well. And that is pretty much it for this week's uh, Kent Non-League podcast. It, it's felt like it's gone by pretty quickly, but it will be quite a long show, I'd imagine, once I've got around to editing this late on Wednesday night. I assume, Matt, that you're at the big game Dover against Solihull on Saturday. Yeah, uh, yeah, Dover. I was at the Jills on the Saturday, so um, they didn't do too well. But um, if you are a Gillingham fan, uh, we have got Steve Lovell on our other programme on Monday. So if you do like Kent football and you do like the Jills, please feel free to ring in. We've got like a, a Gillingham 606 special. Um, We're not allowed to call it that. Monday. Aren't we? No. 
We got I got Why sold not? by the big by the big boss man. We don't call it a six oh six special, uh, but it is a Steve Lovell Gillingham phone in special. There is uh, the. Why can't we call it six oh six then? I don't, not know. Six, six. I don't know. I was told no. Um, How about so don't tell don't tell your friends. Um, no, but yeah, it's a it's a phone in special, and we are really looking forward to that. And as as I say, if you've got any any questions, obviously Steve has, has spent a bit of time in non league as well. So yeah. there may be some questions you you might want to ask him about his time in non league and how that prepared him for stepping back into the football league with the Jills. Um, and, and I've got to say, fair play to Matt, because Matt's put a lot of effort into to arranging this. And obviously you saw Steve on Saturday, and even though they were not the best, he was still happy for and up for it, was he? Yeah, he was looking forward to it. Um, pleased to see me, which is always nice. Um, yeah, he's looking forward to it. So hopefully they didn't get a result the weekend to, to cheer him up a bit, under a little bit of pressure. But um, And of course, you know, he's, we'll, ask, we'll ask him about non-league stuff, because he, he has... Um, brought players from non-league before, so yeah, and uh, well, Josh which is a good just Josh Reece, even though both both Hanlon and Reese, the Bromley players, were hooked at half time, and somebody did, which was very very harsh. There was an old boy in the press room who said he he was probably sixty, and he said in all his time at football, Josh Reese was the worst performance he'd ever seen, and really, mate, he wasn't. You know, he was okay. You know, he's got pulled, didn't really work out for him. Maybe he's playing the wrong position, but I thought, I thought, I thought, that's a bit extreme. The worst performance you've ever seen in watching football when you were 60. So he must have seen some absolute superstars if he thought that was bad. So there you go. Well, I've certainly seen some bad ones, and Josh Reese will have had to have gone a long way on Saturday to have topped <coughs> any of them. As always, you can follow us on social media. Um, we're on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, and we are on Facebook at Kent Non League. Um, I am at John Phipps 81 on Twitter and Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Um, I don't know where I'm going to go on Saturday. I've got a couple of things that are, are wetting my appetite, shall we say. Um, it will probably be an FA Vars game and it will probably be one of the Kent derbies, either Corinthian against Glebe or K-Sports against Deal, um, depending on my mood on Saturday morning when I decide where I'm going to go. Um, I've got written down here, Matt Plugs Monday night. He did that himself. So uh, fair play to the boy. Um, so that is pretty much it, it, it for this week's show. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Mike Sandman for chatting to us. And and Tim, we finally used the interview that you gave Matt almost a month ago. Um, but thanks for listening. And we shall speak to you all next week. You didn't get me a present, so I'm getting you bugger up. <laughs> <laughs>